How many of you at home have made New Year's resolutions for 2021? Put your hands up. You know, I can't see you, but you know, for accountability's sake, if you made a resolution, you know, maybe your resolution was to go to the gym more regularly. Maybe it was to eat better or walk more or read more. Maybe your resolution was to save more money or, or, or spend more time with God, or maybe it was to spend less time on social media. Well, did you know, according to some estimates, less than 8% of people that make New Year's resolutions actually keep their resolutions. Less than 8%. Now, personally, I'm not a big New Year's resolutions guy, but I do make goals for myself, you know, every once in a while throughout the year. In fact, about a month ago, I made a, a goal. I wanted to cut coffee out of my life. It was starting to get, you know, kind of over the top for me. I had, you know, my morning coffee and then my second morning coffee, then like my 10.30 a.m. coffee and my noon coffee, and then probably one in the afternoon, you know, four or five coffees a day and you get the headache and you get the coffee jitters. And I thought, okay, this is getting out of hand. I need to cut this out of my life. And so I woke up one morning and I went cold turkey. I am not drinking any more coffee. Guess how long that lasted? You think a month? A couple weeks? A week? A day? No. It lasted until 2 p.m. that very same day. Can you believe it? Less than six hours. That's how long I lasted on my goal, my resolution for this year. Now, why does that happen? Why is it so hard to stick to a resolution? Why is it so hard to fight through and not give in? Why is it so easy to give in to that urgent pleasure? For me, it was that caffeine kick, as opposed to fighting for that bigger prize. Why is it so hard to have self-control? Maybe a better question is, how do I develop more self-control? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be discussing in the next 20 minutes or so here at Broadway Church. Now, you've joined us smack dab in the middle of a series that we've entitled Better You. In this series, we're going back to school, we're going back to university to learn how to be a better you. And we're taking the passage, a passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, where the Apostle Peter gives a list of characteristics that Christ followers must work on. He explains that we need to build upon or work out our salvation. Remember, you don't have to earn your salvation. Your salvation is a gift. It's a free gift of grace and love and forgiveness that Christ has given you. It's like sitting on this chair. We've been using this chair for weeks. You don't have to earn your salvation. You rest in the love and forgiveness that Christ has given you. Now saying that, scripture does say that we need to work out or build upon our salvation. There's still qualities in your life that you need to be intentionally living out. Those are the qualities that we're unpacking in this series. Now let's read the passage from 2 Peter chapter 1. He says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Now the quality that we're going to be unpacking today is self-control. How do I develop more self-control in my life? Now before we get into it, let's define it first. What do we mean by self-control? Well, the original Greek word that's used in this passage is engratia. It means to have self-mastery or self-restraint, to be disciplined, to have power over oneself. 
Now, that's a pretty self-explanatory you know, uh, definition for the word self-control. But I kind of want to add to that. I, I want to give you a practical definition. I've heard it said once that self-control is the ability to choose what you want most over what you want now. Self-control is the ability to choose what you want most over what you want now. At its core, self-control is the discipline of delaying impulse or gratification for a greater purpose or cause. Self-control is the ability to choose what you want most over what you want right now. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says this, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Now, an ancient city would never dare to have no walls. The walls in these ancient cities were its greatest defense. In the attack of an enemy, the walls were its first defense. So the, the enemy had to come up against the walls and the archers can, can, can push them back. It was the, their initial defense. If you didn't have walls, if an ancient city didn't have walls, it didn't have security. That means any small army or group of bandits could just come and pillage and kill and steal and destroy that city. Walls gave a city security. And with that security gave the ability to have an economy and safety and civil unrest and stability because they weren't constantly getting ransacked by enemies. Now without walls and without security, without this protection, an ancient city would simply fall apart. What this, prov what this proverb is saying is this, just like an ancient city with no walls or broken walls will fall apart, so your life will fall apart without self-control. Did you hear that? Your life will fall apart without self-control. Why? Because without discipline in your life, you're like this undefended city, open to every kind of attack and exposed to every temptation. Without self-control, without the ability to choose what you want most over what you want now, you're defenseless against the chaos and lies and doubts and pride and fears that are going to be attacking you every single day. Think about this for a second. Think of all the things that we want now that tug at us every single day. We choose the tug of eating poorly as opposed to what we want most, which is healthy living and most likely a longer life with our family. We choose to act on the impulse of telling our coworkers what we really think. Oh, because that's going to feel good. But we do it at the expense of the relationship. We choose the tug of cheap sexual pleasure, but we do that at the expense of our marriage and family. We choose laziness over long-term health. We choose scrolling through social media over mental health. We choose sleeping in over time with God. We choose to spend hundreds or maybe even thousands of dollars gambling at the expense of our retirement. We choose the tug of work promotions and making money, which is not bad in and of themselves, but we choose that over what we want most, which is quality time with our spouse and children. If we were to be honest with ourselves, we choose what we want now over what we want most all the time. But having self-control is like having these walls in your life. Walls that defend against your thoughts and walls that help battle against this chaos. Walls that help battle the temptation of what you want now and give you the ability to choose what you want most. So you might be sitting there listening to this and thinking, okay, 
what's the result of self-control? Like, so what? What's the point of putting in all this work? How will having more self-control change my life? Well, this is important. Very important, actually. Self-control gives you the wisdom to make the right decisions in life. Self-control gives you the wisdom to make the right decisions in life. When you're able to choose what you want most over what you want now, you will make better decisions. Now, surely you want to make the right decisions in life. But in order to do that, you need self-control. So the rational question is, how do I develop more self-control? How do I build these walls of defense in my life? Well, just like any building project, there's a few phases of construction that you need to undergo in your life. Phase one begins with the root of it all. Phase one is you need to understand your divided heart. Understand your divided heart. Now, if you have your Bible, turn to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Jeremiah explains that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. He says, who can understand it? Now, when scripture is talking about your heart, they're not speaking about your physical organ, your heart. The heart in scripture refers to your mind and your will, your drive. The authors in the Bible are referring to your inner being. Scripture teaches us that nobody is righteous. No one is righteous. No one is good. Not even one. Scripture explains and teaches that at our core, no one is righteous. No one is good. Not even one. We're all broken and sinful, and left on our own, we would drive our life right into the ditch. Scripture teaches us that sin has tainted us. And so you need to be aware of the power that's working against you. Our sin and our brokenness has tainted our desires and is constantly driving us away from God. I so appreciate the honesty in which the Apostle Paul uses as he describes his divided heart. Romans chapter 7, he, he explains this tug-of-war match that happens in his life. He says this, What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. The power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions. I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyways. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that tug-of-war match that Paul's explaining that's happening in his divided heart? He wants to do what is good, but he continually finds himself doing what he knows he's not supposed to be doing. He's describing this divided heart reality that we all face. It's our sinful nature that's working against us, trying to pull us down at every single moment. Now, it's that sinful nature, that's the root of why self-control is so difficult. It's because of our divided heart. So how do we fight against it? What's the antidote for our sinful nature? Well, the way you battle against your divided heart is you need to leverage the spirit that's working within you. Leverage the power that's working within you. Now get this, if you are a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, transforming you and sanctifying you. You need to first submit to the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. 
Look what the scripture teaches and promises for Christ's followers. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version, if you've never read it before, they add a few describing words to explain a little bit better what the author is trying to say. 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. You see, Christ followers are promised a sound, well-balanced, self-controlled mind. The Holy Spirit wants to change your heart, and he wants to renew your passions, and he wants to heal your brokenness. He wants to walk alongside you and give you the self-discipline and self-control that you need. But you need to understand that sin is that power working against you, and you need to fight it. And you need to leverage the Spirit's work within you. The first key to having self-control is to have enough discipline to be close and in tune with the spirit that's working within you. He will be your initial source of strength. He will work with you and in you to produce self-control. Now, let me ask you, as you sit at home and watch this, are you currently allowing the Holy Spirit to shape you? Are you currently allowing the Holy Spirit to strengthen you? Have you invited him into this process? Are you close to him right now? Are you aligned with him right now? Well, if your answer is no, maybe you've been wandering away from him. Maybe you've been ignoring his promptings. Or maybe you've never even made a decision to be close to him in your life ever. Before I close today in a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity opportunity to do just that. To invite him into your life. to, To offer yourself to his work. Now, phase one speaks to the root of our self-control issues. It speaks to sin. Phase two gets a little more hands-on. You want to develop more self-control? Well, set practical, intentional, and sometimes extreme guardrails. Every year we go up to Penticton and go camping. And and when we drive up to Penticton, we take highway number three, which is the Crow's Nest Highway. If you've ever driven on the Crow's Nest Highway, let me tell you, it is scary. You're going around this mountain bend and, and there's these sharp corners. And I thought, if I ever drive this at night, and like that is scary. If I ever fell off the, the edge of this cliff, like I'm done. Not only am I done, but they're not even going to find my vehicle. That's how far the drop off is. And so what they've done is they've built these boulders, these guardrails, these cement guardrails on the side. So, so if a car gets into an accident or, or loses control for whatever reason, instead of going right off the edge, they're going to scrape up against this guardrail and the guardrail is going to hurt the car a little bit, but it's going to keep the car in the lane. Listen, you need guardrails to protect you. They may feel uncomfortable at at times. It may feel like that car rubbing up against that, that cement boulder, but it can save your life. To the ancient church in Ephesus, the apostle Paul is coaching believers to live in a godly manner. He's encouraging them to live as children of the light. And he goes on to say, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now remember, self-control gives you the wisdom to make good decisions. 
Do you want to make good decisions? Well, Paul explains that you need to be careful how you live. To be careful is to create discipline in your life. It's to create guardrails in your life. Now, admittedly, this looks a little different for everyone, depending on what your specific temptations are. But there is a universal guardrail that applies to everyone, and it's this. Do not do life alone. Do not do life alone. Isolation is your enemy when working on your self-control. It's when you're alone, with no support system, with no accountability. It's at that moment and those moments when you're most prone to choose what you want now over what you want most. Your first guardrail is a universal principle. It applies to everyone. Do not do life alone. Be intentional to invite someone into your world. You need a person in your life that you can talk to about anything at any time. You need a person in your life that you give permission to ask you the tough questions. Any question. You need a person in your life that loves you enough to call you out when you get out of line. Maybe you don't have that person in your life. Well, Broadway Church, we can actually help, help surround you with some, some great people. We have small groups and classes and cultural groups. We'd love to connect you in. Go to our website and check it out. If, you, if you're having a tough time finding something, you can text the number on your screen right now. We want to help you and, and get you into a community to start you on this journey of inviting people on your life because you cannot do life alone. When you're working on your self-control, isolation is your enemy. Now that's a universal guardrail. What are some other practical guardrails? Now these may sound extremely obvious to some people, but if you're struggling with self-control, you probably haven't incorporated a couple of these into your life. If your self-control struggles with pornography, install accountability software on your phone or computer. Like there's many to choose from out there. If that's your struggle, install them on your computer. If you struggle with swearing, have a swear jar where you put $5 into the jar every time you say something that you know you're not supposed to say. If your struggles with a social media addiction or maybe a social media comparison, set a timer on your app. In fact, I have someone that has asked me to put a timer on their app and I created the password so they can't change it. They said, Lewis, put a password on it. I want a five-minute timer on Instagram. I do not want to go on it for more than five minutes. And they can't change it even if they wanted to because I set the password. Now that's a guardrail. If you struggle with excessive drinking, stop buying alcohol. Stop hanging out with those people that you know are going to push you to do this. Again, it sounds simple, but it's so hard to do. If your struggle is with excessive consumption of food, Make a guardrail of no eating after 7 p.m. Or, or make a guardrail of no buying that chocolate cake that you really like. Or, or maybe you need to have someone go shopping for you because you know you can't resist buying those Lay's potato chips because nobody could eat just one. Am I right? Those ketchup Lay's potato chips, those do me in. Now, for all you couples out there, this is one that we've incorporated into our marriage. I tell Carrie, I said, my, my phone is my phone, but it's also your phone. You have free access to my phone at any time, at any place. At any time you ask me for my phone, I'll give it to you. You can look through any of my text messages, social media apps, emails, whatever. My phone is your phone. Now, let me tell you, if I ever had a temptation to do something stupid, that guardrail makes me think twice. 
So that's your challenge, to build walls in your life, walls of practical, intentional, and sometimes extreme guardrails. It seems obvious, but it is not easy. But with these guardrails, what they do is they help you and give you the ability to choose what you want most over what you want right now. Remember, a person without self-control, they're like that ancient city without walls. They're defenseless against the chaos and lies and doubts and fears that will attack. But the walls of self-control give you security and wisdom to make the right decisions in life. Without self-control, your life will fall apart. Now, phase three gets even more specific. If you want to develop more self-control, learn how to take control of your thoughts. Learn how to take control of your thoughts. A number of years ago, we had this mama raccoon. Like her body, it was like a small bear. Her body was like this big. And she had three babies and they were living underneath our deck. The reason we found out they were living underneath our deck, because she attacked our renter one day. <laughs> we heard a big commotion outside and the raccoon had attacked Josiah. I thought, oh my goodness, sorry, my friend. But, but I thought, I need to get this raccoon out from under my deck before it causes some serious damage, you know, goes into my attic or, or maybe attacks one of my children. Uh, I, I needed to get him out, get her out before she caused some serious damage. So we had this, this big trunk at home and I got this trunk and, and she went off to go hunting or something and, and she left the babies underneath the deck. And so I got my shovel and, and got the babies and, and put the babies into this big trunk and put it into our, um, in our back alley. And so I lured the mama raccoon, the big mama, into this trunk. And so she went into the trunk and I was around the corner. And as soon as I saw her tail go into the trunk, boom, I closed the lid and I zap strapped it. And I had a friend help me put this trunk into the back of my Honda Fit. And I drove this raccoon uh, to, to like a force. And when I was driving her there, and she was scratching and growling and, and trying to claw out of that box. And I thought, please don't get out. <laughs> You're going to mangle my face. This is going to be ugly in this small car. Anyways, she, she got out with her babies and I'm pretty sure they're living happily ever after. But what I needed to do is I needed to get that raccoon out of my house before it caused damage to my property or my children. And guess what? It's the same with your thoughts. You need to learn how to filter those thoughts, learn how to get rid of them before they cause some serious damage to your life. Now, how do I do this? Well, before I get into one very practical principle that you could apply, I want to refer you to a book. A Better Way to Think by Norman Wright is a great book that'll help you walk through this in much more detail than I'm going to give you today. One piece of advice that I got from this book, actually, that really spoke to me was this. I needed to learn how to diagnose my negative self-talk. I needed to learn how to diagnose my negative self-talk. Now, what's self-talk? Self-talk is that inner dialogue that you have in your mind. It's the lies that you tell yourself and believe about yourself. And the negative self-talk that we tell ourselves is incredibly destructive. The negative self-talk are these lies that hinder us from having self-control. These negative thoughts are like a haze of fog that cloud our minds and disillusion us from making wise decisions. These negative thoughts hinder us from choosing what we want most over what we want now. And so you need to learn how to diagnose your negative self-talk. Here's what a negative self-talk could sound like. I need these people to like me or to approve of me. 
So we do things or say things that we normally wouldn't do or say to please these people. Maybe for you, it's, I cannot lose 15 pounds, so we don't even try. And our health is at risk because of our negative self-talk. How about this one? I deserve more than what my spouse is giving me. So we choose what we want now and look for attention from someone else. Maybe your negative self-talk says, if I don't make a certain amount of money a year, I'm useless. So we overwork. Maybe your self-talk says, I'm not good enough, or I will never amount to anything, or I'm a failure. I don't know what it is for you, but what I do know is we all have it, and we all need to diagnose it. Just like I needed to get that raccoon out from underneath my deck before she caused some serious damage, you need to diagnose and disregard your negative self-talk before it causes you some serious damage. Because if left unchecked, Negative self-talk becomes our reality. Scripture challenges us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? Well, when a thought comes into your mind, you need to capture it and you need to interrogate it. You need to capture it and you need to interrogate it. How do I do that? Well, I'm going to use a phrase that I often struggle with in my self-talk. I'm going to use a, a lie that often swirls around in my mind, and it's this. Lewis, you can't do it. That's a lie that swirls around my brain. That's a lie, that's a negative self-talk that I often tell myself. Lewis, you can't do it. So scripture teaches us to capture that thought. Don't believe that right away. Capture it and interrogate it. Is this thought a lie? Is it godly? Is this my insecurity talking? Do I believe it? Why am I thinking this thought? Is it true? You need to capture that thought and interrogate it. And if it's a negative, destructive self-talk, you need to replace it with the truth. You capture it, you interrogate it, and you replace it with the truth. Of course it's not true. Of course it's a lie. Of course it's my insecurity talking. So I need to replace my negative self-talk with the truth. For me, the truth is this. God will be my strength. That's a lie. I, I replace that thought with this. God will be my strength. The truth is I need to look to God, not look to myself. It's him who's going to give me strength and guidance. I, I need to rely on him. That is the truth. Remember, if your negative self-talk remains unchecked, it becomes our reality. You need to replace it with the truth. And if you cannot diagnose and control your negative self-talk, you are not going to be able to control your mind. Then you're going to be like that ancient city with no walls, vulnerable and unprotected from life's chaos. So let me ask you, do you want to make good decisions in life? Do you want to be able to withstand the lies and temptations that are coming at you every single day? You need to build walls of self-control. You need to understand the root, understand your divided heart, understand your sinful nature that's pulling you down, and leverage the Holy Spirit's prompting and working in your life. You need to create practical, intentional, and sometimes extreme guardrails. You cannot do life alone. You need to invite people on the journey with you. You need to set guardrails so that you don't drive off the cliff of life. 
Then you need to control your thoughts. You need to diagnose and disregard your negative self-talk. You capture it, interrogate it, and replace it with the truth. When you do this, you will gain self-control and you will be able to make the wise decisions. And that leads me to today's big idea. Every week we like to sum up the teaching in one big idea, and here it is. Within the walls of self-control, you will be able to make the right decision at the right time. Within the walls of self-control, you will be able to make the right decision at the right time. So as you sit there today in your home, what areas in life are you struggling with right now? What areas in life do you need more self-control? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's with your negative self-talk. Maybe it's with your spending habits. Maybe it's comparing yourselves to others too much. Before you do anything, my challenge to you is to first seek God and ask him for help. Bring this to him. He cares about you. He's there for you, and he wants to give you the strength to start building these walls in your life so you can make the right decision at the right time in your life. Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment as I close? If that's you today, if you want to make a decision to invite the Holy Spirit into your life and and, and bring your your sinfulness and and, and yourself to him and, and surrender to him, I want to lead you in a prayer. This is just accepting God's love and grace and forgiveness into your life and and asking the Holy Spirit to work in your life. If that's you, would you pray this with me? Don't pray it out loud. Just say it in your head. Agree with me in your head. God, we give you our lives today. I thank you for your undeserved grace and love and forgiveness. God, I pray that you would uh, allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life, to strengthen me, to search me, God, to shape me from the inside out. I want to give my life to you today. Help me. In the areas that I need help with my self-control, help me. I need you right now. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, if you said that prayer and, and, and maybe you gave your life to Christ for the first time or medicated your life to him, the best advice that I can give you is to text the number on your screen right now. We'd love to connect with you and, and plug you into our, our church family, a small group. Just We want to help you in your next steps of following Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. See you next week.